Hey guys, Abel here with the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast. And in this episode, I have a really cool interview with Adam McDonald, who is a travel fitness vlogger of sorts, although he would probably not like this description. But he kind of became known on YouTube because he documented his contest prep. In fact, several of his preps, where he basically prepped while traveling the world simultaneously. So I think this can be a really interesting conversation for many of you guys, because deep down, I think a lot of us desire these cool experiences that traveling can provide and we tend to sacrifice a lot of that because of our fitness lifestyles and because we worry about not being able to hit the gym or being on point with our nutrition and all of that stuff and so I really wanted to have someone on who can break some of these fears and mental barriers down for us so Adam in this episode will provide some cool insights as to how you can manage these things effectively. Now, a little warning, the sound quality is not the best during this interview, so try to listen closely, but hopefully the content will make up for the not super ideal sound conditions. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please let me know what you think of it. And without further ado, let's hear the interview with Adam. Okay, so hey, Adam, how's it going, man? Hey, hey man, how's it going? All good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, you bet. And um, yeah, for for just for people who may not be familiar with what you're doing, um, could you just tell briefly what you do for a living and then kind of online and what you became known for on the internet? Sure. So actually, I had been working in IT in Microsoft for like three years, and I actually just left about a month ago, set up my own business with it with two other partners. It's a uh, basically body transformation experts in person and video online as well. So I'm basically a personal trainer now. Uh, but how I kind of built up my following online was that I, I competed with uh, 3DMJ. So you had one of the previous coaches, Eric, on before. He was one of my coaches, uh, natural bodybuilders. And I did a competition prep for a physique show called uh, WBFF. It's a fitness competition, which I did in at the end of about September, I think it was, in 2016. Um, and I, I basically started a YouTube channel around a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, and with the, the goal of documenting my full prep uh, and traveling as much as possible to prove certain things to myself uh, during that prep. And that was a pretty amazing experience. Okay, so you mentioned that you wanted to prove some uh, some things for yourself by, by traveling and prepping at the same time. Um, what what was it that you exactly wanted to prove with this? So the, there was like a, a lot of dogma behind, um, you know, bodybuilders or people within the fitness industry um, that, you know, they're kind of, sometimes they're like assholes, they're not really the nicest people and they have they have to suffer a lot and they, they can't do certain things. And to an extent, that's a little bit true. Um, you know, people, especially, uh, people that have been in the fitness industry for quite a while, they feel almost entitled and that's the entitlement is kind of due to like feeling like they have you know, either a kind of like superiority complex or even inferiority complex where they, they can't enjoy the certain things that people do in life such as partying, going out with friends, uh, you know, drinking alcohol, traveling as much like I said, or, or they either feel like they can't do it because of their fitness goals or they feel like they look down on other people from doing that. And what that leads to is a, a kind of sense of entitlement, as I mentioned. And, and that is essentially 
a feeling that you deserve better than the life that you currently have and it kind of doesn't give off favorable kind of gestures and it, it doesn't come off always in the nicest kind of way with people and then it kind of leads to a negative feedback where people who aren't interested in fitness or the fitness industry kind of you know see people within the fitness industry as you know not being the nicest people and then it, it kind of just gets into a, a circle of uh, negativity but and that's not for all people but i wanted to prove to not just for others, but mainly for myself, that you know it's, it is possible to go out and enjoy yourself, uh, to go out and party, because I love to party, um, and I love to travel, and I still wanted to compete, and I didn't want to pigeonhole myself, and just, you know, lock myself away from uh, the world just to get ready for this competition, because uh, a great quote that I heard from uh, Dr. Lane Norton, who's a natural pro bodybuilder, is that, you know, if you neglect your spouse, your family, your friends, and you have a great physique, you're not an inspiration, you're just an asshole with a great physique. So I, I really wanted to try and uh, think of that and become, you know, do more than what I was what I was doing before I prep. So I used to travel a bit, but just, you know, for the time a year, maybe twice a year, but I really wanted to set a goal of traveling uh, at least every eight weeks, and I'll end up being about every four, uh, four weeks. So in my prep, which is probably about 30, 40 weeks long, I can't remember exactly how long it was, uh, but I traveled to certain countries over ten unique trips. Right. So um, during this this traveling period, and and I, I love what you said because, uh, like you said, it's easy to fall in love with training because it it provides a lot of um, self development, personal improvement, all of that stuff. But it's easy to become kind of one dimensional in a way. Um, where you miss out on a lot of fun things. So did this period where you were traveling a lot taught you basically that you could enjoy yourself a lot more while bodybuilding that you than you previously thought it was possible? Yeah, because previously when I was a little bit younger, I, I never really wanted to go out and eat. I didn't want to travel too often because I felt that I wasn't able to get my training in or my meals in or something like that. But, you know, if, if, if that's really having that much detriment on your life and it's not like, it's not, I'm not a bodybuilding isn't my life. It's there to enhance my life. But it, when you cut yourself off and these, all these other things that actually is taken away from your life, not, not just adding to it. So I realized, I guess with, with age, I've been training for, you know, almost 10 years. And I, it, this was my second prep competition. And my first one was kind of an, a negative experience where I cut myself off. And, and I, I just dieted hard for, I think it was 23 weeks the first time, but it, it wasn't a, a great experience at all. I focused really, really on the outcome and what I tried to do over the last few years is to focus more on process based goals or an outcome based goals because at the end of the day, you're doing it to be happy or to make your life more filled. But if, if you're just focusing on this end date, which I did in my first prep when I was 21 in 2013, um, you realize that you're not really enjoying it up, up until the very day that you can see. And then after that, you know, it's a, it's a big high, but then there's a massive low afterwards. And, and this time around, I made it more process based. And yeah, I, while I traveled, I enjoyed it very, very much all the way along. And even when I did finally step on stage, yeah, it was, it was exciting and fun, but it, I didn't, I, I placed, I think, I placed top 10 in an untested show. So an untested category. So I, I was pretty happy with that out of a big class. So. But, you know, I wasn't really phased by it because I enjoyed it the whole way along and I wasn't just this build up to this one massive thing and then an anti-climax. So, uh, I was, the reason why I, I decided to, to do this and, and focus more, 
more kind of on the processes because because of the past experience and I realized, you know, that it's not just about one thing that you're looking to make you happy. And if everybody, anybody that's ever trying to find like what makes them happy, they always feel like the next thing is going to make them happy. The next thing, and it always feels like it's just around the corner, but it, it's never really, you never really find it and it clicks and it's like, oh, now I'm happy. It's always about trying to overcome adversity and trying to uh, get meaning out of some fulfillment or, you know, the struggle that you go through. So it's actually, it's the process that makes you happy, not the, the end goal. So that's, I wanted to make it more around the process and enjoying the whole journey. And it was, it was definitely a lot more, it was definitely a lot more um, enjoyable than the first part. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I definitely agree. Like if we, we, us humans tend to fall into this trap where we, we, we think that happiness is going to be attained once we achieve certain goals. And I think I read this in Tony Robbins's book, uh, Awaken the Giant Within. I, I don't know if you, you read that book, but he says something to the effect of, um, it, oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Uh, he says something to the effect of, um, yeah, if you're not enjoying what you're doing right now, then it's very unlikely that the, the pro the, what you will achieve at the end of that process will make you happy. When we are speaking of traveling, um, if you wanted to give a pitch to someone as to, Hey dude, this is why you should travel because this is awesome. What would you say are the biggest things, most valuable, um, stuff that you got out of traveling over the course of the, you know? recent recent part of your life i would say that it, it gives you a lot of perspective on different things it opens you up and it makes you more confident in uh, you know your interaction with people and um, it allows you to understand them more as well because i traveled to a lot of places by myself just due to the fact that i didn't have someone that wanted to travel every time i wanted to travel you know of course i would like to travel with people all the time but it didn't always work out that way yet. but i didn't let the home back but what you realize is that certain things or beliefs that you thought were indigenous to the place you live are actually, you know, uh, present in other countries. And then certain things that you thought were, you know, uh, worldwide beliefs or um, norms are actually unique to where you're from. And uh, that's a pretty cool experience. But you also realize that the world is a place of people that all pretty much have the same needs and desires and uh, I made another thing that I, I really enjoyed was the connection that I made with people. And that was probably the biggest thing that, that, uh, I enjoyed about traveling was the, the people that I met. Not, not necessarily always just the places, but the different people, the different stories that you meet, uh, the different stories that you, you, you get to hear from the people around the world. It's just, uh, it's, it's just amazing experience. And you, you, it's, it's very hard to describe unless you've gone and done it yourself. And it's not like you just go to, you know, fly to London and then back or, but it's these kind of unique places that you don't really think of that really open up your eyes that aren't that are different from the place that you live in. There's different people and different experiences and different uh, backgrounds and cultures and that sort of thing. Right. So when you when you decide to travel to a new country, and I'm of course asking this from the perspective of bodybuilding as well and just fitness, uh, but uh, just just on a whole, do you have like? kind of a set routine that you that you got comfortable with when traveling to a new country, like certain things that you like to do right away to ensure that you have certain grounds covered, or is it completely random and, and just dependent on the, the place? Obviously, while I was traveling, I still was prepping, so I needed to keep the goal the goal, and that was to get leaner and step on stage with as, as lean and as, and as big as possible that I could. So I needed to obviously train and eat correctly. So 
while I did travel, I always made sure that I prepared in advance um, so that I, I would set myself up best to win, even if it was a situation that wasn't going to be, you know, ideal. You know, obviously the, the ideal situation if, if your only goal is to get the best physique, is to just stay in the same routine, same gym, probably, you know, same habits, same sleeping habits, etc. But obviously that's not going to be the best thing for you mentally. Um, but what I always like to do is always research where I was going to go probably, in, you know, at least two weeks in advance. I look up Airbnb, so because Airbnb, they they generally have your own kitchen, so you know it wasn't the, that I was just going out and eating out all the time because that's definitely not ideal because you can't track that stuff, and um, well you have to guess a lot. So I was trying to cut that down to a minimum if possible, but I I make sure that I get a, an Airbnb uh, because I have a kitchen, I cook, I bring the scales, always I bring my weighing scales for my uh, body weight. To keep my uh, check-ins uh, going, but also with food scales, which is really important. And then I'd always uh, make sure that I pack whey protein because in pretty much any country that you go to, you can get carbs and fats pretty readily, uh, you know, anywhere because that's what people like to eat. Uh, but pro- lean protein sources aren't always available, so I made sure that I, I brought at least like two to three servings of whey protein for each day that I was there. I might not always use that much, but uh, just to be on the safe side. I'd also bring like some other things like fish oils and multivitamins and, and that was pretty much just the basics that I bring with me because yeah, I didn't really need anything else. But it also made sure that I searched a gym if I could to, to my best ability to try and find a gym over there and you know yeah, make sure that I kind of stayed relatively close to that. Right. So from from a lifestyle perspective, when you when you go to a let's say you travel to a new country. Do you uh, try to put aside, for example, working out at the same time every day or or do you just try to live life there as much as possible and enjoy yourself and just fit in training kind of on the go, on the fly, just spontaneously? So is, is this question make sense? Yeah, no, like e- even when I train, when I train at home, I, I don't necessarily have a set time that I train on it. I just work it around my schedule. So when, when I travel, my goal isn't to, my goal when traveling wasn't just Traveling there so to the gym, it was traveling there so to make experiences, visit the sites, do different things, and so I would fit around. And you know, maybe let's say I travel, I trained five days a week when I was you know in a routine where I lived in Dublin. When I traveled, I, maybe I'd only get four days or even sometimes three days, but that was okay because uh, I wanted to go and make the full experience of the country that I was in. But as well, generally speaking, when you do travel, you, you do a lot of walking, so. I'd rack up like I use a Fitbit, so usually my daily average would have been like fifteen thousand. But when I traveled, I'd do so much sightseeing and different things like that. I'd, I'd double that, so my my neat or my non-exercise activity thermogenesis would go right up just from the fact of walking around the city or the the the, the, the countryside or whatever it was. So even if you kind of wear a little bit off and your your macros a little bit, you went a little bit over. You, I, some of the times when I was abroad, I actually dropped more. And what I did when I was at home because I was just walking around so much. Right. So we're going to get into the the technicality a little bit um, in in a minute. Just you know what you mentioned already. So bringing whey protein, certain strategies that that people can use if they want to travel. But would you say that there is anything that can potentially make dieting or even prepping for a show easier while you're traveling? And and I'll specify what I mean because. 
many times I'm telling people that one of the biggest things that stands into people's way into succeeding on a diet is kind of just being bored and sitting around food too much and not being distracted enough. And I I imagine that while you're traveling, this is not an issue because you're always doing something. So would you say that from that perspective, traveling can even even make it potentially easier to to be in a caloric deficit and diet? Yeah, because I prepped for quite a long time. One of the reasons being was to allow myself to do this travel. If I was prepping for like, let's say 12 weeks, which isn't ideal in any case, but I know some people do that short. There's no, no way this is ever going to work because you need to be so precise that the longer time period you give yourself, the easier it is. And I think I lost about 20 to 25 pounds uh, within like 30 plus weeks. So it's, it wasn't a, a massive uh, weight loss per week. But yeah, of course, because anytime I went to the country, uh, like I said, I didn't eat out all of the time, but I did try the local foods. Like when I was in Germany, I tried the local uh, the hot dog things that they have, the schnitzel or whatever they're called. Uh, uh-huh. When I was in, uh, like when I went to Morocco, I ate tangine with the Berber people up in the mountains. Uh, that's the food that they make with couscous and stuff. Obviously, it was going to be really hard to track them. But because I've been tracking for such a long time, for like you know five plus years now, six years, uh, I, I can make it a rough estimate. And of course, it wasn't just like I go out and eat for every single meal. But uh, when I was abroad, I did try to, you know, you have the local food where, where possible. And it, even while still tracking that, you know, like what those in Scandinavia have, like the, the fresh salmon, it's delicious. In other countries, have like the, the fruits, the vegetables that are, are unique to them countries. But you know, you can still get all this information, uh, on you know, on my fitness pattern and like that. It's a lot of the stuff is online now these days. So. Yeah, of course, uh, you try, try different things when you're over there, and, and it makes it, it breaks it up. It's almost like a little diet break, but it's not really a diet break. Right, right. So then then let's get into some of the, so you mentioned already that from, from a nutritional side, obviously, um, the, the challenge when you're dieting, and, and especially when, you're, when you want to get very lean, is that you need to get in food sources that are pretty low calorie for the most part and are filling, which can be tricky if you're eating out a lot and stuff. So for one, um, you mentioned whey protein. Is there anything else that you like to make sure that you have around or that you look up in advance if you can find it in, in grocery stores or stuff like that? Yeah, like uh, I would always try and make sure as well that there's a, like I bring the whey protein, but that's pretty much the only food source that I would bring because, you know, at, at the end of the day, everywhere pretty much has vegetables and fruits. And you can, you can almost just live off that if, if that's all that was necessary, if you had somewhere to cook them. But I would, I would always try and look up, uh, somewhere where the supermarket, um, because, you know, once you find a supermarket, even if it doesn't have any of the stuff on my fitness pile, such as like when I was in uh, Marrakesh in North Africa, they, none of the stuff was, uh, made in even in Europe. So nobody, there's not really a fitness culture over there. So none of them was on my fitness pal or anything. But if you stick to like single food ingredients, it's going to be pretty much the same everywhere around the world. You know, like white potatoes in Africa are going to be the same as white potatoes in New York. You know, so There's going to be very, very little difference. So if that was the case where you can't find somewhere that you can track the macros from the back of the, the label, then I would look at sticking to single food whole ingredients, uh, that, you know, cause they're a lot easier to track and you're going to be, you're going to have less variance there. Whereas if you had like a, you eat out in a meal and you know, you don't know what it's cooked in, you don't know exactly what's in it. And so that's why I try to cook most of the part, most of the time I try to cook myself, for myself and I try to stick to single whole food ingredients. 
but then I would allow myself to go out for the odd meal uh, when I'm traveling as well. Right. So this this actually just brings to mind um, what what countries have you found to be kind of quote unquote the best or or yeah the best or the worst from a bodybuilding nutrition perspective and I'll, to, to just so that you understand what I mean. For example, the Netherlands, I find that they have awesome foods in their grocery stores. Like they have these very lean dairy sources and, and frozen berries, which are very low calorie and are pretty cheap. But for example, in Hungary, where I'm at at the moment, all of these things are just super expensive. And basically you can only get like really fatty, really high calorie stuff in the grocery stores for reasonable money. So have you noticed kind of meaningful differences in kind of what kind of foods you can get your hands on? Yeah, well, like the easiest would have been like the, the more cosmopolitan cities like, you know, London or New York or Toronto. Cause they're all, they're all pretty much westernized, big fitness culture and all of them. So I don't even really need to explain how, why they're the easiest, you know, not too expensive. Everything's pretty much available. Uh, and that, but then some of the, the Scandinavian countries, especially, Norway, really, really expensive to try and get in the protein requirements. Uh, when I was there, I was there for about two weeks and it cost, when you're trying to get a lean source of protein, especially because I'm from the uh, Eurozone going up there, it was like double the price. So you spend a lot of money, but it wasn't necessarily hard to find this stuff or harder than where I'm from. It was just, the price was so expensive. Uh, but then when I went to, like I said, I went to Morocco, uh, that was really difficult to find the uh, sources of uh, lean source of protein. A lot of the stuff that people eat are just from the stalls on the markets, on the you know street, uh, you know street food and that sort of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that I would try and avoid uh, if if I if I could to an absolute that to an absolute minimum because you know it's probably really high fatty content meat and you don't know what it's cooked in. And then the same for the carbs as well. They're probably high high. There's probably high fat and carb mixtures of the food that yeah it's delicious but you know it's not ideal when you're trying to prep. And yeah, it, that was a really, that was a kind of place that I really need to, to use all the, the protein that I had with me, all the whey protein. I actually brought some uh, protein bars with me as well that time because you can, I kind of do a bit of research in advance to see what sort of culture and, uh, you know, how, how the supermarkets, you know, is the many over there and that sort of thing. But just to uh, expand on that, I didn't, I purposely didn't go to certain places where I knew that there'd be absolutely no chance of getting any sort of good quality nutrition in terms of bodybuilding. Like, you can get good food everywhere, of course, but I wasn't going to be able to go somewhere where all I could eat was, you know, fruit and rice. So uh, I purposely did that because my goal at the end of the day was still to step on the stage with the people who were going to be dieting for just as long hard as I was. Right. And um, so speaking still of nutrition, do you, what about, for example, meal frequency? Do you like to do stuff like intermittent fasting or something like that to like save up calories for an, uh, an occasional high calorie meal or something in in a restaurant or something like this yeah that's exactly what i would do so i would uh, generally let's say when i was traveling i, I generally be pretty occupied or busy here in the morning because you get up early and i would just have like maybe a shake or even just a coffee and then save the calories for today maybe have like a light snack or a shake or something like that some fruit and then yeah, that's if I knew in advance that I was going to go out and have a meal or even have go out, go out and have some alcohol because when I traveled a lot, I, a lot of the times when I traveled, I met friends uh, from around the world that I, that I previously known. And you know, when you, you meet friends, generally like, they want to go out and party, so did I. And 
I, I found that I wasn't always trying to bring up and tell people that it was always contest tracking. A lot of people that I met probably didn't even know that I was contest tracking because I don't want to try and make it a burden on their life. Uh, but I would just try and, you know, stick to like lighter calorie alcohols, uh, not drink that much, not try to evolve everything or every social kind of uh, setting around food or eating food. And if, and if it's, if it was the case, you know, I'd either just not eat or else, you know, pick a, pick an option that I felt was, was best in the world. Right. So now speaking of, of, um, <clears throat> we, we mentioned nutrition up until now we talked about nutrition. So let's talk a little bit about training. So, um, how much do you have to compromise your general workout plan or routine or, or, or split when you're traveling in general? in general? In general, it's not going to be the, the most optimal training uh, because you're one, your sleep will probably be a little bit off because just, you know, early flights, late flights. Um, and then also, you know, you're doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of walking and sightseeing, but you're tired a lot. Um, and then, Often you can find a gym, but you know, in Norway, for example, it was something like 25 euro a day. So, you know, if I went five days a week, it's 125 euro to go to the gym, which is, which is like a third of my annual membership. So, uh, I, sometimes I'd have to cut that down or else even in uh, some other countries, I couldn't find a gym at all. And, or else, you know, there might be one small gym in a hotel. I, I think it was in Morocco. There's zero, zero fitness culture over there. And, uh, people were actually, if I, w- I was wearing like a tank, a tank top, and people were actually like calling me, uh, John Cena or Rambo just because, <laughs> and I wasn't overly big, you know, I was kind of a small macro bodybuilder, but people just don't work out there really. So, uh, it was pretty difficult to have to kind of blag my way into a, a five star hotel and then pretend that I was a guest and then use the gym there, which was even pretty inadequate. But I, I also bring like a uh, resistant bands and try to do as much as possible. And, you know, to, to make it work. Yeah. Can you, um, so you, when you do, when you have to go without a gym and still get a training in, do have you developed some kind of cool strategies to have a properly overloading training stimulus in the absence of weights and machines and all of that stuff with resistant resistance bands or body weight only or something like this? Yeah. So, um, I, I would bring always bring resistance bands with me. So obviously I, I would never bring weights with me because, you know, you got a limit on your luggage. But uh, I would bring, always bring the, you know, mini resistance bands, sometimes even medium sized resistance bands and do a kind of impromptu workout where I would just train to failure basically uh, because it's such a light weight and I'm probably using such, such high reps and just try to focus really on tension. But it, it is absolutely not ideal. And um, if your goal is probably to maintain uh, even game also it's not ideal to do resistance training only or resistant band training only or body weights of like you know push-ups pull-ups uh, you know bench dips and that sort of thing or lunges but uh sometimes you know you don't really have a choice and you got to just make it work and i found that i have to do that sometimes but for the most part though i did you would find a gym in a lot of places like it, yeah, health and fitness is important in, in a lot of countries right so um would you say that in terms of training and maintaining as mu- much muscle mass as possible, um, like, I mean, obviously it's always hard to tell, but if we're looking at percentages, like at what percentage do you think you came out at the end? So let's say if you had a proper gym and if you didn't travel, you would have been able to diet and maintain, I don't know, 99% of your muscle mass and, you know, 
got would have gotten 99% of the results that you could have potentially gotten. Now, what do you think you've gotten at the end? Like 80%, 90%? How much do you think you had to compromise? That's definitely, it's a very hard question to answer, obviously, because I, I can't compare the I haven't compared the exact same situation without traveling, but it definitely didn't. It definitely didn't help, uh, and I, I think I probably would have bought in a, a slightly better package uh, if I hadn't have, uh, if I hadn't traveled a lot. But then, like, I've got to ask myself, would, you, would I have enjoyed the process as much? Because I died for so long, ten months. You know, it's it's a, it's a pretty substantial part of your life, ten months, and you know, I, I would never change anything. You know, the. It, I do it all for to make myself happier and to enjoy my life more, not to get a, a pro card in a category that doesn't mean anything. I'll get more Instagram followers maybe, but uh, I enjoy the, the process of traveling and meeting all the people a lot more. And I and what you really what really makes people happy is the fulfillment of you know accomplishing something. And you know this was definitely a big accomplishment for me. You know you don't you don't you're not happy or you don't really feel like anything's worthwhile if you're just if it's just given to you, given to you you know like people that you know win cars or win money they don't, they're not really they don't really appreciate it but when you work something for hard something you really feel like you, you struggle through something and you overcome that and uh, it's a lot more fulfilling and i was really really happy that i was able to step on stage there was definitely times during that period where i felt you know i shouldn't travel anymore or you know i'm behind and with my coach, uh, Jeff Hogwarts, he's a 3D, M co 3D MJ coach. He actually reassured me multiple times. I even met him, I flew to meet him in London uh, during the during the prep, that, uh, you know, he had to reassure me that it's, it's going to be okay. And because there, there was times that I felt like, you know, I've been dying for quite a while and I don't feel like I'm going to be leaner. I do feel like I probably could be coming a little bit leaner, but, you know, that might have placed me, you know, moved me from like eighth place to sixth place, you know, that's the, it wouldn't have made zero difference to me, you know. Uh, my, my pictures would look maybe slightly different. Like I'm still, still fairly lean. Uh, but, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was lean enough to come, you know, top, top 10 out of about 30, 40 people. So, you know, I was, I was happy with that. I wouldn't change anything. Right. No, no, I, I, I think, I think this story is super inspirational, really, from the perspective of, of this can show people that, you know, fitness and, and a hardcore bodybuilding lifestyle and living a rich and meaningful fulfilling life don't have to be mutually exclusive and i think this is a, really a big mental barrier that a lot of people ha have to get over i mean obviously if you're you know about to become mr olympia or you know i wouldn't advise phil heath to do this not not like he was asking for my advice but you know for people who just want to look good and you know do this kind of sport for just just proving uh, their own strength for themselves. I think it, it. I think it's really awesome that you you've done this. So, um, I mean, I guess we've already touched on this, but in the in the beginning. But any kind of big lessons, um, apart from the fact that it is possible to do this while while traveling. Any kind of big lessons or eye opening moments that you've had ever since you know you embarked on this traveling journey. No pun intended. Well, well, yeah. Like I said, my my goal was was never to. Yeah, of course, winning was nice, but because of the nature of the category and you know my you know genetic limitations, or whatever, I don't I don't think I was ever going to be the biggest uh, to try and win. So, but if I feel like, let's say you're a, a pro pro bodybuilder and your goal is to win the show, yeah, I probably wouldn't advise you to try and do this. Uh, 
you know, you could travel still, but not go out and travel, try and travel, like proactively travel as much as you can just to prove something because it's not going to give you the best results. And, and actually for the last three weeks, I didn't travel at all. Well, peak week I was in Toronto, obviously, but that's what the show was. But for the last kind of three to four weeks, I, I did stay in my own place to make sure that I really dialed it in. Uh, and, and everything was on point there, and I didn't try to eat out uh, for the last four weeks uh, before I went to Canada for the peak week. But what I learned more so from traveling is that, you know, you get a magnitude of experiences uh, across the world and you, you learn a lot, but from the, you know, from the very first country you travel to, you know, you, you get this much uh, experiences and it's great. And then when you travel to the second country, the experiences go down or the meaning of the experience go down a little bit and then a little bit more from third country, fourth, fifth, sixth. And the more you travel, the, the more you, you spread, you can you spread your experiences, the less meaningful they actually become. And, you know, you meet a lot of people. I met hundreds of people and a lot of them are consistent, considered like good friends and keep in contact. But the more experiences that you have and the more thinly you spread the experiences, the, like the less meaningful they become. And there's a certain freedom and commitment and picking, uh, picking either a you know, certain thing and saying, okay, this is it, whether it's a location, uh, you know, a job, uh, a relationship and saying, you know, this is it. And this is what I'm going to pick and I'm going to stick with this. And there's a, a deeper experience that cannot be achieved by perpetual world travel that you get from picking one thing and committing to that. And there's a certain freedom in that commitment. And that's what I've learned that, you know, there's nobody really that just travels the world non-stop and is ever happy with it. somebody. You always have to find something and go deeper with it. experience. Like I couldn't have a, I couldn't have really, really deep friendships if I was always traveling. Because uh, I'd only meet the people for, for a week at max, and then it might be a year until I see them again. Even even some of my closest friends that I met traveling probably see them twice a year. It's hard to have a, a really deep, meaningful um, friendship, but as well as like relationships as well. You can't obviously have a relationship where you can't focus on your business really unless it's solely online business or something like that, uh, which is what I'm not doing at the moment. I'm more in person, in person business. It's a, it's a hands on bricks and mortar business. So, so I'm actually go back on my traveling this year to focus more on going in depth with experiences rather than trying to finish spreading across. Right. So it's, so it's a mixed, mixed kind of experience on the whole, it, it seems like. So it was really awesome from one end, but you also learned that it has its limitations as far as how deep of a, of a meaningful, meaningful experience you can get out of it. You, you get, you get a, excuse the pun, but you get a world of experiences from perpetually traveling, oh. but you also miss out on another type of experience. Right, right. So, uh, so you mentioned that uh, you're not planning to travel anytime soon. Um, you, you mentioned, I think, in the beginning of, of the call, but it might have been offline. So, how many countries have you visited um, during this this little mission of yours? Uh, I went to during the prep or around the prep fourteen. But uh, yeah, I'm the next time I'm traveling is about all this time. But uh, it's definitely put down a lot since I, I travel since I put on since I finished my prep. I went to one country after the prep to kind of relax on the way home from Canada, Iceland, but then, uh, but now it's more focused on, you know, building my career and that sort of thing. And then, you know, I'll, I'll definitely do this kind of thing again where I travel. Maybe not prep and travel, but, uh, we'll start traveling uh, again for quite a while. Right, right. Awesomeness. So just la last couple of questions. Um, one is, uh, 
what were there any influential books or resources that you came across in the last couple of years or maybe ever that have been really influential for you and you would recommend people to check out uh yeah there's a i read a lot of books uh i started reading maybe i, I used to never read when i was like a teenager i hated it but then i started reading about two years ago and i tried to read a book two books a month or so but some of my favorite books i have a big shelf of books here uh and some of the books that i read with the six pillars of self-esteem by nathaniel brandon a really really good book i really enjoyed that uh the truth by neil strauss uh it's a really really good book to understand people's emotions Um what else i've been reading a lot of stuff by mark manson lately he has a new book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck it's a pretty cool book and then i read a lot of eckhart tolle as well uh, i really like his stuff and also mastery by george leonard so I, I really like stuff that focus on uh you know understanding of why people do what they do and how you can use that understanding to try and create kind of happier most built life that's that's my kind of goal yeah actually uh do, do you know any kind of cool books i mean i could i could have asked this offline but but maybe the listeners could benefit from this do you know any kind of good books on like behavior change and and habit change i mean obviously there is the power of habit that i heard of but that's that's pretty much the only one i know in, in english at least change on habit um I'm not 100% sure on habit. I'll have to have to think about that one. I haven't read anything particularly on habit uh, recently yet. Yeah. No, it's cool. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that you... Oh, go ahead. One book I actually just finished, and it touches on a good bit of habit, is uh, one called Mindset with Muscle by Jamie Alderton. He's actually a competitor in the WBFF. He, yeah, uh, yeah. he wrote a book, and he's all about mindset. And he, he goes through, uh, you know, how to create habits and that sort of thing. It's not a book about habits, but it's about having... Uh, the mindset um, and he, he explains it in quite you know simple terms because a lot of books that you read are pretty they're pretty hard to kind of eat up and you know people you know lose motivation reading the books that are quite heavy but it's a good book mindset and muscle yeah yeah and it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned that you were not a big reader earlier and you never read and now you're making a conscious push to read like two two books a month because I'm, I'm the exact same i mean for the first 20 I don't know, two or three years of my life, I basically didn't read at all. And I kind of made a mission to start reading. And man, it's, 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 it just, I, now I realize what people are, are talking about when they say that reading provides an experience that they can really get from anywhere else. So, so yeah. Um, so, and, and another kind of selfish question to the end, which again, some, some of the, the vlogger or blogger listeners of us can benefit from. What kind of gear do you use for your recordings and what would you recommend other people to, to use for stuff that you do? I use the, um, for my kind of handheld ones, uh, I use the Canon PowerShot G7X. And the mm -hmm. reason I used that was because it was a small compact, compact camera. It's like about this size. It's about that size. So you can just carry it around. You can stick it in the gym as well because, you know, a lot of gyms, they don't want people filming within the gym whether there are people there and if you're walking around this city there's a lot of people a lot of people get nervous and you know stifled when they're having a big camera in front of you but then when i got a little more used to it or like i was i wanted better quality i used the canon uh what is it canon 70d it's the same one that casey neistat would use with um with a, a road a road mic it's an external microphone 
and a, a thing called the Joby Gorilla Pod. It's actually existing. So it's just like a, a bendy thing. It's kind of like a selfie stick and you can wrap it around stuff. And I'm also pretty big into photography as well. So, uh, it doubles up with that because you can, uh, you can change lenses and that sort of stuff. But other than that, and I used the uh, Adobe Premiere Pro, it's the software editing. But other than that, you know, as people who are into vlogging probably will tell you as well that uh, it's not the quality of the camera, but it's the story or the information that you share that makes it a good video. Cool, man. Th thanks for that nice info. And yeah, man, it, it's, it was really awesome to have you on. Just uh, any kind of resources or, or stuff that you want people to check out where they can find you, anything like that? Uh, you can check out my Instagram. It's AdamMac192. Uh, my Snapchat is the same. Or my YouTube is uh, AdamMacDonald. You can just YouTube that. And then if you want to find out some, some stuff on training and nutrition, I'd really recommend reading some maybe Lyle MacDonald stuff or the Training and Nutrition Pyramids by 3DMJ. They're pretty good. Awesome. Great, Adam. Thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, good luck for everything that you do. And uh, keep us posted if you keep on traveling or if you stay at one place. Because, uh, yeah, your videos are really cool. Really good. Thanks. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you got some inspiration to travel and move out of your little shell a little bit more. And this will definitely be a new mindset that I'll try to adapt in the future that if I'll be in a situation where I'll be traveling and will be out of my normal ways, I will try to view it as a challenge as opposed to this barrier that will get in the way of my optimal fitness progress. So check out Adam's stuff. I link to it in the description. I really like his content. It's informative, it's entertaining and inspirational. So yeah, definitely check out Adam McDonald's YouTube channel. You can also find him on Snapchat and on Instagram and on Facebook. So yeah, I do recommend following him. So thank you guys. Uh, next time I'll have the guys on from Dynamic Duo Fitness. So stay tuned for that one as well. And of course, subscribe to support this channel and be up to date for future content. So thanks for being here up until now and see you next time.